some music just started playing. Interesting. What was that? I don't know. Somebody's computer, maybe, or it's def. How about that? Soothing tunes coming God. from the uh, the PA speaker. And I have no idea. I'm fine with it. It's relaxing. <laughs> it's like sniffing some lavender. <laughs> I'm all right with it. That's yeah, so funny. Welcome to the Game Theory and Money Postseason Edition podcast. Happy Wild Card Weekend, everybody. Matt Money Smith here with Cynthia Freeland. Uh, Cynthia is the lifeblood of our podcast as she uses her math, her uh, computer simulations, 10,000 of them for each and every one of these games, or awards that we will be uh, getting to today, and it is her unique algorithm simulation that we speak to. Cynthia, welcome to the postseason. Woohoo, we did it. Does anything change? No. Nothing changes? The only thing that changes is that the math actually becomes stronger because people are trying to win, right? Like, the like it is irrational for you to not play people or not do things. You are trying to win. Late in the season when right. teams are evaluating talent yeah. or playing younger players. Right. I got what you're saying. It or if they're playing the someone math. with scary defense and they're already in the postseason, the scary defense isn't. Like, that's not going to be helpful for my math well speaking of math and a whole lot of numbers we check the math from the regular season Woo-hoo! and you did darn well there cynthia uh 671 win percentage on the season and uh me not so much 592 uh would have been higher as john Gennaro wrote here in parentheses if not for hugh jackson i was so... convinced the browns would get the one <laughs> uh, and I'm glad they didn't because everybody deserves a parade, darn it, especially on the banks of Lake Erie in the middle of January. And that's what these Browns fans are going to get. And, hey, they get the number one pick and the number four pick. So things aren't so bad they can focus on the draft. And since we both take part in the draft and the draft coverage here at NFL.com and NFL Media, we're happy about those Browns fans having something to root for. Um, so, Cynthia, what do you say? Uh, anything you'd like to say about your 671 win percentage from the season? Got to keep with me on Sundays because, remember, we tape this on Thursdays, Thursdays and then things change. We don't injury have final report. injury reports. We don't have all the information that you get on Sunday morning, an hour and a half, 90 minutes before a game starts. So always keep track. I tweet it out. I'm not afraid. At C. Freeland. C. Freeland. Uh-huh. It's hard to spell. Yeah, One R-E-L-U-N-D. E. Yeah, it's Norwegian. Is that what it is? Yeah. I would have never guessed. <laughs> I thought it was What's South Smith? American. Oh. <laughs> uh, Smith is a mutt. That's what Smith is. (laughs) All right, so let's get to Wild Card Weekend. Uh, The playoff odds, I guess that's where we start um, in terms of what you had in Week 11 and where we are today. And uh, specifically, why don't we look at your Week 11 playoff odds for the AFC? Yeah, I think they line up pretty well. Steelers, Patriots, Chiefs, Jags, Titans, Bills. Who's in the uh, postseason for the AFC? Patriots, Steelers. Jags, Chiefs, Titans, Bills. I went in the right order. You did. Yeah, well done. It. Did not have that. But, uh, you I had the had, order a little off, but whatever. You also had the top two teams on the outside looking in as the Ravens and the Chargers, and they were the top two teams on the outside looking in. Needed a little bit of help. The Ravens could have helped themselves. They controlled their own destiny. The Chargers did not. And I would like to uh, add this little addendum to this. Thank goodness the Titans defeated the Jaguars, because had yeah. it come down to that Ravens-Bengals game, exactly. which did not end until about 20 minutes after the conclusion of the Chargers-Raiders uh, game, and they would have thought they were in because the Jags defeated the Titans, only to have a 4th and 12 boot them out. 
that would have been a tough one. It is already tough for them to swallow, having been around the team, knowing what they thought they could do in the playoffs if they just got into the tournament. Um, but, uh, yes, that would have been especially painful. And also, I was on Facebook. Wow, I'm talking about Facebook. And I saw a picture from Dean Pease's family. And, by the way, I think he had a favorite player because both of his grandchildren were in C.J. Mosley jerseys. Uh, yes. So as they were looking at the field saying goodbye, Dean Pease retired, C.J. Mosley. Yeah, and speaking friend. of uh, videos, and I'm sure most of our listeners have already watched them, but uh, this has been a Bills favorable podcast oh my all goodness. season long. This is a team that I think actually does make the playoffs. I'm calling it today on the Bills. Um, I think the Bills are making Bills it. make the playoffs. Now, do I think they're winning their division? And oh, hey, whatever, man, they haven't been in the playoffs. In I'm 20 talking years. about playoffs. That's right. Bills, Bills, Bills. Consume, so. consume the Bills videos of the uh, the Andy Dalton play, whether it was in the locker room, in the concourse, I, in Miami, in people's homes. They really are fun to kind of to my, watch a team that was in a 17 year drought. My first producer at ESPN. His name is Eddie. He's the biggest Bills fan I've ever met. I FaceTimed him. He was crying, running around outside. I'm not sure if his shirt was on or off. I, I, it's unclear, but it was definitely hey, like 17-year drought. It was sub 20 degrees. He's crying. He's running around. He's wearing a cheese scarf. Like everything's amazing. Good and stuff. I just, I was so happy for him. So I know he's a big listener. So. And we will get to that Bills Jaguars uh, playoff game here in a moment. But just quickly moving from how you had the playoff picture looking all the way back in week 11 to how it ended up shaking out to some coaching updates. Uh, we thought maybe as many as 10 openings. It looks like it's not going to be quite that many because Vance Because Joseph, Marvin Lewis and Marvin Vance Lewis Joseph back. both Vance Joseph, surprised us. Hugh Jackson managed to go 1-31 and uh, through a two-year stretch. He kept his job. Dirk Cutter, we assume, would be out. Um, he has kept his job. And, look, we don't like seeing coaches fired. That's nope. for sure. I mean, that's a no, lot of people that have to relocate, move their families. It's always good it's to see awful. coaches get another chance. Right. So many things go into the success or the failure of a season, unfortunately, for John Fox, Jack Del Rio, um, and Chuck Pagano. They uh, were let go, relieved of their duties, um, especially Jack Del Rio. I can just speak to that real quick because it was the game that I was at. Um and it was just an odd aura around that team on that sideline going into that game, um, the way that it shook out. And basically what what I think happened is that somehow Del Rio found out about communication with Gruden, and that's why it became public. They couldn't afford not to have it go public once the coaching staff found out mm-hmm. and that he did not even have lit- – literally got fired in the tunnel. The game Jack ended. Del Rio will get another shot somewhere else, though. I think he will. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. It's um coming home from the combine last year, he put my suitcase in the overhead compartment. Well then you know what? (laughs) Then he deserves another job. Darn it. But (laughs) uh it's tough to get fired twice. That that's the thing. It is very hard to get fired twice and get another although it worked for John Fox. Fired in Carolina, yep. job in Denver, fired in Denver, job in Chicago. I also think that Del Rio stuff is a little, little like, strange circumstances, though, because it was kind of a down year in many ways, a lot of injuries, like, crazy, like, strange circumstances. And then the team is moving, so they're trying to make a splashy coaching hire in order to transport the team to the splashiest city, probably, that the NFL will host, will host a You know what? Team. I would actually go the opposite side of that, right? So? so this is a team that has to play in Oakland for the next two years this year it was the Marshawn Lynch loves Oakland tour I don't know if he's going to be back so now you get the Chucky's back Chucky's back love us Oakland don't make this a really weird place to play for the next two years because we're leaving you here's Chucky we're going to pay him a premium in order to make you people stay happy and because you know that's it's kind of what the Raiders are doing I mean they're moving to a location 
where it's not far from L.A. It's right. a three-and-a-half-hour drive. It's even less than that for a lot of these folks in the Inland Empire that we call it out here in the greater Los Angeles area, at the most five hours for Raider fans. From Oakland, it's a quick flight. You know, it's a Southwest Airlines flight or a, a Delta flight. Drink coupons, yes, too. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's drink a, coupons. Exactly. It's a quick <laughs> flight, and they want to keep those fans. They, 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 are so, they know that it's going to be hard to fill a 70,000-seat venue with just people from Las Vegas. They need the commuters, and this to me seems to make sense. Real quick, who is our Sean McVay of next year? We're a predictive po- podcast. So here are the That's criteria. You. you have to be a first-time head coach, so that okay. takes Josh McDaniels out of the running. You have to be on a team that goes from, like, not so great to make at least making the playoffs. Not, uh, right. Look, you don't have to be as good in, you know, in this how offensive about just turnaround. A, how whatever. about just a non-losing record? I think you got to make the playoffs. Oof. That's a big jump, but I guess you get a last place. <laughs> All right, so who is it? I mean, I, I to me, I think the outside candidate. Well, obviously, I'm a Matt Patricia fan. I'm you know openly Matt Patricia fan. I'm rooting for him to go to Detroit. However, meeting my criteria, I think you got to look someplace like where who's going to make Filippo in uh, in in Philly. What I, he was able to do for Carson Wentz, right. he gets his hand on a young quarterback. I don't know. I'm kind of a Mike Vrabel outside like fan of him too. If he gets a look somewhere, he could be a difference maker too. I don't know. I'm I, the, those you know what I would two. say to that, Cynthia. You are uh, Bella Chickian in your <laughs> prediction. Bortles takes the snap. Feeling some pressure. Throws downfield in the pass. Is intercepted by Byard. He's Ball down game. at the 46. Ball game. Ball game. Ball game is right. Well, there is uh, a game-clinching interception thrown by Blake Bortles. We would get to Blake Bortles and whether or not he is trash. Uh, in just... <laughs> Well, just using the words of Jadavian Clowney, that is, was he incredible. Or, is he or is he not trash? That just surprised me. That Sorry. highlight right there would suggest trash. Uh, game. Listen, maybe I'm a little salty about Blake Bortles' performance <laughs> against the Titans when a certain team needed him to play at his best, and he didn't. <laughs> trash. All right. Let's uh, let's get to the positive side of that. And the uh, the Titans at the Chiefs, winner and score, Cynthia. Kansas City coming out on top, 25-18. I can't stop laughing. Just using another man's words. (laughs) See, trash. And you know what? Way to go, Jadavian Clowney. You know, the uh, the Jags win the division. They send you the trash cans, and what does he do? He makes a positive out of it. Instead of getting all salty, fills them up with toys and stuff, helps out the kids, uses it for charity. That's the way these things ought to work. Another person who's insulted Blake Bortles recently, Tennessee Titan, Jarrell Casey. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I can make. We'll, we'll get to that. Though. We'll get to that. <laughs> Let's focus on Jarrell Casey and those Titans and why you have the Chiefs in your model winning by a touchdown might as well be winning by two touchdowns uh, right. in reality. So, what are the keys to the game? So, first of all, the confidence inter- index on this one's seventy-one point two percent. This is a strong confidence in terms of the Kansas City Chiefs coming out on top. There's two things that really drive this. First. It's going to be interesting to see how Alex Smith performs. His deep ball passing has been the marquee of this. Like, what's been different about him this year? And what's the big, like, what's the big whoop about him this year? And those deep balls and Tyreek Hill and how explosive they've been in that offense. Hey, speaking of that, how about Matt Nagy is our That's uh, right. Sean McVay okay. candidate. Okay, you know, I like looks where like your head's he's at. probably going to get a shot. That, that Chiefs offense Can became you... dormant till Nagy right? took over. And like you said, brought back that deep passing So what attack. if he goes to, sh- where's he been interviewing? Chicago? I think he's getting multiple interviews. Because I, I want to give him a quarterback. Yeah, that's I'm going mean, to give him a quarterback. That <laughs> you know what? Actually, who's going to take the Colts job? If Andrew Luck's healthy, I was about that's, to say, that's, but that's, that's our guy. That's, uh, or if somehow Bill O'Brien doesn't make it, I'd love to see Nagy with Deshaun Watson. Ooh. Good point. 
because Anyways. they say Bill O'Brien again it's, uh, it's until they unclear. hire a GM and what's going. All right, so all here right, we go back, back to the Titans <laughs> and the Chiefs. Uh, Alex Smith, deep ball and deep uh, ball taking passing. those shots downfield. You got Travis Kelsey. You got Tyreek Hill. You do. So Tyreek Hill will probably be shadowed by Adoree Jackson. Travis Kelsey gets Kevin Bayard, who of course we just saw with that interception. The thing is that's interesting. The Tennessee Titans defense against deep passes overall. 42.1 passer rating when on those deep 20-plus air yard balls, and the second lowest defensive passer rating on the season. Only seven completions allowed. That's kind of interesting. So 41 deep pass attempts, seven completions allowed. That's, I think it's second lowest, or the only – actually, no, no, I'm sorry. It's first lowest. Second, they're only the only team this season to allow fewer than 10 deep completions. Which is interesting because – Second fewest big plays allowed per game. Their pass defense overall has not been great. Nope. Um, just like if you look across the board statistically, they're, they've really been great. And you mentioned Jarrell Casey, stout against the run. Yep. Teams have been able to move the ball against them through the air. Um, but if you look at most of their games, you know, their losses, they've either gotten blown out, and yep. that's why some of those numbers are skewed. Um, you know, you think about that Texans game, right there, or no, the Pittsburgh game, they hung 40 on them, 40-plus um, on them. Uh, they had a couple of those games. Yeah, the Texans game is the one I'm thinking of. They right. hung like 60. I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I think it was like a 60-point blowout. Um, so that skewed the stats a little bit. But that's what's kind of interesting about that deep ball is normally if you have a bad pass defense, you're giving up a lot of those deep plays. Right. You're not, it's not usually the intermediate that's the right. problem. It's usually the deep ball that's the problem. That's kind of what you see with Philly, by the way. Um, and if you look to see, though, when, when I map up, like, who's the bigger strength in this? Because it's strength versus strength in this one. And then if you look to see, like, when has Kansas City turned over the ball? Their offense has only turned, you know, nine games with no turnovers. So in this case, to me, it's slight advantage to the Chiefs' offense, in this case, on those deep passing balls, primarily because, realistically, they've shown us that they cannot turn the ball over, and that always projects for more success, especially when you look on the other side of the ball. Is DeMarco Murray going to play? Don't know. Right. Don't know. I'm going to go back to that Kansas oh, yeah, City yeah. turnover thing, though, because you mentioned their ability to take care of the ball themselves. Defensively, they're, and I'm sure, I don't know if you're going to get to this or not, but defensively, obviously, that's where the Chiefs are lacking. Yep. Right? When you oh, look yeah, at their, their total defense, their mm-hmm. pass defense, the thing for Kansas City is the lifeblood of their defense is turnovers. Right. Um, if they force turnovers, right. they win. 14 in the past, or 12 in the past three games, 14 in the 12 prior. Yeah, so they. Three turnovers a game. They cash in. a game. Yeah, That's they crazy. cash in on turnovers. Um, and in their, if you look at their losses, you know, they were 10 and 6 this season. In their losses, they have no turnovers or they didn't score points off turnovers. Their wins, like you said, you're talking about two, three turnovers a game. It's because it's a gambling defense. You right. know, it is a lot of blitzing and it's a lot of gambling by that secondary, specifically Marcus Peters. Um, and that's that plays into their hands, I would assume, with Marcus Mariota, his more interceptions than touchdowns and likely one of the big reasons why you saw such a lopsided number in your simulation. When I look to see what Marcus Mariota is doing this year or not doing or what's the reason why – they're literally like negative point differential, negative yardage differential, negative turnover differential. By the way, all three bad predictors of success in winning games, let alone playoff games. So if you look to see what Marcus Mario is or isn't doing, he's kind of like got some really reverse statistics. So like he's better when under pressure. Okay. He's better when facing the blitz, but again, not all blitzes are created equal. And if you look to see, okay, well, Marcus Mario gets better against the blitz and then the Kansas city chiefs give up the, the highest pass quarterback passer rating when they blitz. If you look at those things, well, it's like, well, they're not, first of all, Kansas City doesn't have to blitz. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you look to see like what kind of blitz and where they're kind of lining people up and 
who which receivers would potentially match up on Tennessee's side of the ball when they're pat in passing situations. It's not like Marcus Mariota is good against the not blitz and then really good against the blitz. It's like he's had really bad, you know, the, there's a reason he has the worst um, passer rating against of, the pressure of anyone that's you know that that's still left in the playoffs. There's a reason for that, right? It's, he hasn't had a great year. Now there's a lot of reasons for that, but his reverse statistics and when he gets better in pressure situations, blitz situations, that to me indicates that hey, you know, this is a situation where it's an increase in turnovers likely. And if they don't keep the ball on the ground, and Derrick Henry's a great closer, he's got he's especially when the when the when the ball game's in their hands, he can close the game out absolutely. But if they can establish the run early in the game in this one, it's going to be hard if they're playing from behind and forced to throw. I uh, I'm just going to lean on Coach Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, who played four of these teams, four of the six teams in the playoffs <laughs> the Chargers faced. Right? They played yep. the Bills, they played the Jags, they played the Chiefs, they played the Pats. Yep. Uh, when asked of those teams, which impressed you the most? He obviously, I think it w- it sounded like it was just a qualifier, but he said, hey, look, when you got to play Tom Brady, that's always a challenge. Right. But then he kind of went into length about Kansas City and just the challenges of that offense. And he said, you know, it's so hard to pick what you want to stop. You know, Kareem Hunt is so good breaking tackles, yep. and when he gets into the open field, Tyree Kill, it's a constant concern about him taking the top off your defense. And then you got to worry about Travis Kelsey, you know, Big probably the most him. dynamic save Rob Gronkowski, pass-catching tight end in the league. And he said just the pressure that that puts on your defense is so much going into that game. Um, and, and that's – I think it's just too much for that Titans offense, which has been limited all season, to overcome. Um, and, and I won't be surprised – don't forget about what that Chiefs offense was able to do against the Patriots in week one and the amount of points they were able to put up and what Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and specifically Kareem Hunt were able to do. Yeah, they found a lull and the defense has left you wanting a little bit. But Their O-line seems to be playing better yeah. lately too, which was a, a big difference when, big Tyree, for them. Or not when, when Kareem Hunt was going through that yeah. slump, if you want to call it. Did you know this is the first time Andy Reid's had two 1,000-yard receivers? Well, I mean, one's a tight end. So they, I had to look at that like a bajillion times. I was like, wait a minute, first time? Yeah, and there Hill are. And Kelsey. I think one of four teams. Uh, I do know for a fact they're one of four teams. 4,000 yard passer, 1,000 yard rusher, 1,000 yard receiver. Um, Pretty good. And again, it just speaks to if you're supposed to pick your poison, what's the poison? You know, what, 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 is, what is the one thing that you have to stop? It's hard to figure out how to neutralize that offense because they can do it in so many so different ways. So because we have a little more time because there's only four games, I'm going to tell you kind of so what is – so 72%-ish is the confidence. So like, what would it take on the other side of that, the like 28% left? So the 28% left reflects that the Titans' defense – could if so if, if the Titans are going to win they've got to stop the Chiefs in the red zone and if you look at the red zone efficiency since week 10 Kansas City is only a third so a 33 percent red zone touchdown efficiency which was last in the NFL while Tennessee's defense 35.7 and that's third best so if they're they're going to stop it if they're to win they have to stop them in the red zone and they have to rely on their defensive pressure when you look at their pressures they actually have five so their run defense is top five and i don't think kansas city's been good in the red zone this year that's what i'm saying and they've been especially bad since week 10 they've been last in the nfl gotcha that that would be uh, not good nope that's not that's we're gonna go with not good on that one um and they also have so tennessee's defense top five run defense and they have four players with five or more sacks i didn't 
I, to me, that was kind of interesting because that's tied for the most in the NFL. One last shine for Please. Kareem Hunt because I feel like people are confused by him or don't think he, like, in the beginning of the season, we, all we could talk about was Kareem Hunt, and then it kind of tailed off. And honestly, one of the things that I point, point to, to me, why he's still in consideration for rookie offensive rookie of the year, number one running back and forced missed tackles on run plays. That'll do it. I mean, look, what do you got to do yeah. if you're a running back and you got an O-line that's and challenged? By the way, break tackles. This is this is a, this is another place where you got to like map it all out. If Derrick Henry on the other side, Kansas City's defense, they are top three all season long at allowing four or more r- rushing yards on first down. So again, if the Titans are going to win, they got to get Derrick. It's going to look Henry like the going. game against the Jaguars. That's right. It's going to be a, a fifteen to nine game, and and that's that's their path. They're not outscoring the the Chiefs thirty five to twenty eight. Nope. So. Probably not. No. All right, let's go into Falcons-Rams, Cynthia. Uh, the wild card contest in the NFC, pitting the number three versus the number six team. Winner and score. I have the L.A. Rams coming out on top 27-22, and I have the Rams' confidence set at 62.5%. My goodness. Percent. That's a pretty big number. I don't Especially know. Especially because I'm picking against you. You know why? <laughs> we said it yesterday. You took the Panthers. I took the Falcons. I said, this is the narrative. This is the way I they overcome 28-3. to three. I love your You narrative. need a carrot right at the end of that stick. And here it is for Dan Quinn and these Falcons. You want to erase 28-3? to three, You get back to the Super Bowl as the sixth seed in a wide-open NFC. I and the hate it. first playoff game in Los Angeles in, what, 31 years since 1986. We haven't had one here in the City of Angels. And a team that is the youngest most inexperienced playoff team participating. I'm taking the Falcons. Oh, it's going to stay alive week after week, Cynthia. Okay, we can move on to the next one. No, not at all. (laughs) You know what? And I'll tell you why, to some degree, uh, my lens is shaded red and black with that glorious Falcon right over the front of my eye. Because in all the years, and by all the years, I mean, I don't know, seven or eight of calling football games, I have never been part of a more embarrassing production than last season's Falcons-Rams game. I was at that game, too. It was, bar none, hands down, the worst game I've ever called. And I've called some of these college football games that pit powerhouses against, you know, their cupcakes early in the season that go 60-6, to but they're supposed to. That's what they are. They're warm-up games. They're glorified preseason games. Um, This is two NFL teams. And the way it turned out and the Falcons marched to the Super Bowl last year late in the season against the Rams, again, one of the more, I think it was like 44 to 6 or something like that. Uh, it was it was brutal at that Coliseum. Um, well, but, but that was last year. That was last year. This and year. This is this year. It's the biggest turnaround. Uh, but like in the last 30 years say, for a though, team. If you like those narratives, you could say, though, that that game was really the turning point for it, uh, the whole change in everyone out. Right? right, Jeff Fisher was gone. gone. Like, w- I, you know, I don't know if it was that. I think it was. Week, yeah, I think it was like week twelve or whatever week, 11 week it or 12 was. Like was you could say that that was the turning point. So maybe that, like the Falcons are the reason the Rams are so good. You could say that. You very well could. <laughs> Sean McVay is going to get the coach of the year. It's uh, it won't even be close. And, and he uh, should. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you, he turned a team that was unwatchable into the most exciting offense in all of football. I mean, the Coliseum is it a sellout yet? And by the way, it's a huge stadium, so it's not fair. Ninety thousand, which yeah, is 90, why ninety thousand, because most most NFL stadiums are like seventy, right? Yeah. So that's considerably more. And it's you know, it, while it has great history and uh, it, Olympics and you know John F. Kennedy's DNC nomination speech was there, all those sort of things. It's old. It needs a facelift. It's going to get it. It anyway, needs places to don't want to make excuses the, for the fans of It needs places to hide from the from the weather, from the elements. From it's very it, it's open. 
it's a very hard stadium to navigate as well because it is so A lot of so stairs old. to get to the press box, too. Narrow Holy concourses. And <laughs> yeah. Listen to us complaining yep, about the we have. Los Angeles <laughs> Memorial Coliseum. All right, let's get back to the game. Why do the Rams win by five, and why is your confidence rate at 63%? So, first of all, you know how I don't like when we overhear crazy stats to use, and we're going to hear this one over and over and over again. Jared Goff has the biggest single-season passer rating, 36.9. And Matt Ryan has the biggest single-season decline, 25.7. All right, great. Good story. Over. Not true. I mean, it, it, is, it is technically. It is true. Well, it's, it's You're the math person here. I mean, that's the number. His QB rating decreased by 25%. Uh, Goff went up by 30, or 25, I should say, not 25%. Yeah. Decreased by 25. Goff right. went up by 37. So here's what I'm going to say. Well, this is why we're an analytics and like advanced stats podcast because we don't just take those stats on their face. Okay, so we look what do you to have? see why. Well, first of all, the Falcons' defense has improved, especially as of late. I'm going to give you some good Falcons Please. nuggets here first. So, what I think is really important: third down conversion percentage. You know who has the best third down conversion percentage in the NFL in the regular season? I feel like you're going to say the Falcons. You are totally right, 44.7 percent. And they that, by the way, the second best predictor of victory and defeat. Turnovers number one, third down conversion rate number two. How, I feel like I'm going to cry. Come on. This is, oh my goodness. That's amazing. I love that you like have that down. Come on. <laughs> I'm I'm listening. All right. So Falcons also had the NFL's number nine rushing defense this season. So if you are good at stopping the run, means your defense gets off the field, your offense gets on the field more often. And if you convert third downs, that also is a strong predictor because it helps you minimize your turnovers if you're not putting yourself in horrible third down situations. Great. Got it. Makes Got sense it. so far. Got it. Um, their defense has allowed only nine rushing touchdowns, and they faced a top 10 running back in four games, and they held each one to under 80 rushing yards. Well, that's what they got to do. I mean, it's got to be a Jared Goff game if the Falcons are going to win. Todd Gurley has wrecked teams. It's uh, as great as the story is surrounding Goff, who was written off as the worst number one pick ever. Uh, he bounced back. Good for him. You love to see that. Sean McVay. Totally. Uh, there were rumors that he was going to move on to Sean Mannion, that, that Goff was so bad, and instead he's likely going to make himself, if he doesn't make the Super Bowl, a Pro Bowl appearance as an alternate, things like that. Um, but that's what's going to have to happen. It's going to have to be a Goff game because you would assume the Falcons are looking to shut down Todd Gurley. Well, the problem with shutting down Todd Gurley is that A little it's bit harder than, than <laughs> me just saying that's what you got to do, right? Right. It, the, the problem with shutting down Todd Gurley is that they don't really only use him as a running back. They use him out of the backfield, catching passes. And Jared Goff, in that was intermediate range passes, that's where he makes his hay. Those, it's, not a, it's not necessarily the deep ball. It's intermediate passes. And this is where the, the upside comes up because you've got between Gurley – Watkins, Cup, and Woods. And if you look who's in the slot, you look where they're running routes, and you look what's going on. And by the way, Woods has a 141.3 passer rating since week nine, which is best in the NFL. That actually surprised yeah, me. Yeah, he really emerged. I, I mean, he was considered an all-around receiver, a good yeah. leader for that core. He blocks well. I, He'll be great for Gurley. Me. And right. no, he's been, he's been fantastic. Well, look, when Robert Woods, just kind of speaking to his history, yep. came out of high school, I mean, he was one of the highest recruited wide receivers slash athletes. He was recruited as an athlete. And I think people lose sight of That's that. That's how I get recruited. As an athlete? Uh -huh. Yes, because he's so good at blocking. I mean, you know, he was kind of cited as, oh, this Heinz Ward, maybe he could evolve. You know, that, that'll that be his ceiling. Not that that's not a great ceiling. Heinz Ward <laughs> right. likely a Hall of Fame pretty receiver. good ceiling, yeah. <laughs> but known as a someone that could block and do more things than just catch. The, if you just want Robert Woods to catch the ball, he can catch the hell out of the ball. And he proved that in, in becoming 
even with Sammy Watkins there, Jared Goff's favorite target for quite a while there. That's the problem, or the the problem though for Atlanta is that despite them, I look to see how Atlanta's defense has done in the past five or six games against those kind of intermediate passes. And what's happened is they've gotten better against them as the season's progressed, which is a good sign for Atlanta. And that's how Atlanta would beat them should Atlanta beat them. However, when you've got Watkins, Cup, Woods, and Gurley. And Gurley, by the way, who breaks tackles and just absolutely, you know, does not allow opposing linebackers to stop him and safeties as well. That's going to be that's going to be a big problem. And I want to point out, though, that if Jared Goff, if Atlanta's going to make Jared Goff mess up, they need to put him under pressure because he's a 41.4 percent completion percentage, which is 26. And when he has a clean pocket, that number comes up to almost 72 percent, seventh best. So the, the point is, is he has dramatic 30 percent difference in completion percentage when he's under pressure versus when he's not under pressure so the problem is is the o-line problem for the the falcons is the o-line for the rams is projects to be stronger than the pass rushing capability of the falcons so a couple things just real quick as we wrap up this particular wild card game one i am taking the falcons for my own stupid little narrative thing that i okay. that i predicted would happen do you last think that's because of the julio jones Tremaine johnson I do. I, I do so think that that defense, strong, as, great, as great as it is with Aaron Donald up front, their linebacking core can be taken advantage of in the running game in terms of tackles. It's a little bit undersized, um, and you can get after them there, and that secondary has left you wanting as well. But my other thing is just think of the pressure that the Falcons have been under. I mean, this is a team that had to go to Seattle and win in essentially what we thought was an elimination game for the wild card between yep. them. They did. You yep. know, they had to win – against Carolina, one of the hottest teams in the NFL last week, and they thumped them. I mean, that defense got after it. And it's a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and had a 28-3 lead. Yes, they've dealt with their situations, but most of that was early in the season when they lost three in a row and everyone's like, ah, here it comes. What is Sark doing? This is a mess. They lost. And look, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach and an offensive genius, and mm-hmm. I acknowledge that. It's a good team with a lot of good players and a lot of experience, and that tends to come to play. I just want to uh, make sure that we get the shine for one of my very favorite players in the league here. So um, you're going to say first after all this, where does Aaron Donald rank among defensive tackles in terms of sack? Just go ahead. First. Hits, first. Pressures, first. Tackles for lost, first. And forced fumbles. For interior linemen, yeah. Amongst similar There's players. There's no other you interior. Can't, yeah, you can't there, there is an interior lineman. Three edge. It's, it's different. Yeah. No, I mean, he is he is a different interior lineman than any other player in the league. No doubt about it. I mean, he is he's what creates the pressure. Almost every other squad has to get it from the edge. The Rams are able to get it from the middle. When you pair it with someone like Robert Quinn, it can make life tough. The one way to neutralize that is what? Run right at him. Mm-hmm. And when you have the running attack of Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, the Falcons are a team that is capable of negating that to some degree with an experienced quarterback and a two-headed rushing attack that can just go, hey, come on up because we're coming right back at you. Um, and that would be the way to navigate that. But, again, it's not easy nope. when your pocket collapses from the center, and that's one of the ways that Aaron Donald, and that's why he's, and there And Alex Mack, their center, has been on the injury report it's a big one. And he's one of the best centers in the entire league. And for him to be on the injury report and potentially not 100%, that's, you know, Aaron Donald advantage. Fourth down and 12 at the Ravens, 49. Dalton waiting for the shotgun snap. Now Uzama moves into the slot. Dalton catches the football. He's back to throw. Inches up in the pocket. Throws. Yeah. Caught by Boyd. To the 15. The 10. Yeah. The 5. Touchdown. 
Tyler Boyd on fourth and 12. It's a 49-yard touchdown. And the Bengals lead with 44 seconds to go. Silence in Baltimore. Panamanium in Buffalo. Oh, what a great call. Silence in Baltimore. (laughs) Panamania. I wish you would have said pandemonium. It's pandemonium, Gene. It's pandemonium. In Buffalo, Bills, Jaguars, down there in Duval County. Winner score. Ooh, I have Jacksonville coming out on top, 25-17. I hate it. I know, I'm What's sorry. What's your confidence rate? I don't want to tell you because I like the Bills fans. 75.3%. I reject it. I like the Bills fans. I roundly reject that. You know <laughs> why, right? Because. Because? Say it. I- because who's trash? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jaguar fans. I'm sorry, Blake. I don't mean to pick on you. I just love the Jadavian Clowney comment that Blake Bortles is trash. I absolutely love it. And guess what? He proved it last week when he needed to win. And what did he do? He threw a late-game pick, multiple picks in that game. It's a great point, though. I mean, look, quarterback play, when is the last time? And I'm tired of mentioning Trent Dilfer because Brad Johnson was pretty darn good in Tampa the year that they won the Super Bowl. I think that was 0-2, right? Uh Come on, Gennaro, you're a San Diego guy. When was the Super Bowl last in San Diego? Was it 2002? 2003. So the 2002 season, 2003 Super Bowl? Correct. There you go. Brad Johnson was a lot better. There he is, producer John. Yeah. Uh, Brad Johnson was a lot better that season than people give him credit for in suggesting he was just a game manager. When you try to hide your quarterback, you can do it over the course of a regular season. You can't do it in the playoffs. All right, go, Cynthia. That's my speech about trashy Bortles. Okay, so here's my stat for your friends. Please. Only four teams in the Super Bowl era have ever made the playoffs with a worse point differential than the 2017 Bills, minus 57. How many of those do you think won a game in the playoffs, one game in the playoffs? I'm going to go with none. All four. They won a game? All four. How about that? And you know what the most recent one was? What was it? I'm doing a really fun pose right here for you. <laughs> oh, Tebow mania. <laughs> Tebow mania. Yes. Oh, poor Pittsburgh. Poor Pittsburgh. Tebow. Yeah, Tebow mania. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I guess the one thing to remember about, and we bring this up, point differential, um, just because I got to see one of it up close. You know, the Chargers beat the Bills by 30 points. I want to say there was a game against the Saints, right, that they got beat by, I think, almost 40 points. So when you're talking about a minus 57-point differential, I mean, there's two games in there that account for all of it and then some. Um, And that one game against the Chargers, of course, was a five-interception first half for Nathan Peterman. He never played again, save the one game he had to play for injury uh, in place of Tyrod Taylor. So um, I just think it's it's a stat that's worth I think yes. quantifying 100%. and qualifying. Um, right. And I'll look that up while you go through all of totally. the, the stats that matter. Okay, so something happy for Bills fans. You know who has the best third down offense of all of the teams left over the past five games? So Ooh. I just looked at five games to see what the recent trend is. The Bills circle oh, the wagons. Bills. <laughs> the problem is, is it all comes from rushes. So 25 rushes of 10 plus, which is the most in the NFL over the past five games. And that drives their their third down and their big plays on to to get them there right so 36 big plays 25 of which were rushes of 10 plus that's problematic when you have LaShawn McCoy on the injury report and what seems to be an actual actual injury this time so we see LaShawn McCoy he appears on the injury report 
almost every week. He kind of has a Calvin Johnson-like injury report tradition. So he, he doesn't practice necessarily. That's what they do for veterans. It's a courtesy. But he accounts for 31.4% of their offense this season. That's number three in the NFL. And if he's not going to play or if he's not 100%, this could be a very big problem. Sure. Right? That's that's their offense. I mean, nothing against Tyrod Taylor. Nope, it's and not. The addition of Calvin Benjamin. But, yes, LaShaw, Shady is that good. He right. is that good of a running back that you should give him the ball 30, t- 30 touches a game is how you win a game against the Jags. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then, and then the, other, the other thing here that really maps out and tells you why the third down, you know, them having the, the ball in their hands is important is they've only scored seven touchdowns in the past five games, which is the second fewest. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? John, John, Gennaro this is not me that where I see the suggests note. Suggests that Blake Bortles is Jim McMahon. McMahon was a great quarterback. My God, great. Yes, so he was a great quarterback until. Go ahead, you make your case. I mean, my my case is the Bears got to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl with the best defense in the league. You know what though? In that same Bears example, I'm putting Rex Grossman as more of a Blake Bortles. There you go. That's fine. Yeah, Rex Grossman works. <laughs> yeah. Jim McMahon. <laughs> Got to the hold Super on, Bowl. I'm pulling up Jim McMahon's numbers here. Let's let's not forget. Let's not rewrite history here. Jim McMahon. Lest we not. With just quickly, a quick sidebar. I didn't mean to send this off well, the Well, you rails. did. <laughs> and now it's too late. You're not going back. Uh, what Charles Martin did to Jim McMahon in 1986, the year after they went to the Super Bowl, he would, he would have been imprisoned. He would have been thrown out of the league. The whistle blows. And three seconds later, Charles Martin picks up Jim McMahon and slams him into the Soldier Field turf, which was basically concrete with a thin layer of felt put on top of it. That's how we do in Chicago. And basically, no, it was the damn Packers. Uh, Charles, think about what Charles Martin, Charles Martin did to Jim McMahon's career uh, with that one action. It, would, it truly would have had him thrown out of the league. I mean, he, he essentially changed the path. Of his career. Gosh darn it, where are you, Jim McMahon stats? Look how furiously he's oh, laying up the stats. I know. <laughs> I've never seen him this fired up. Because, listen, <laughs> I like a guy that goes to BYU, and after the final bowl game, they send a limo to take him to the airport and say, you get the hell out of Pro Bowl. <laughs> you sinner. You get out of here. I mean, how can I not stick up for a guy like that? So, 85, Jim McMahon throws. This is impressive. <laughs> so not trash. 15 touchdowns. And 11 interceptions and a quarterback <laughs> rating <laughs> of 82.6. <laughs> I think Bortles had about a 10 points higher quarterback rating See? than that. See? Uh, McM- but he wasn't asked to do a lot. The man had Walter Payton in the backfield. True. Much like he has Leonard. No, I'm not going to compare Leonard. <laughs> I was about to Walter say, Payton. wow, we're doing uh, that? My okay. favorite football player you, of you, all time. You may return to your podcast. Yes. Back to your stats, <laughs> Cynthia. Let's I th- go. I stand by my Rex Grossman analogy. I think that works. Mm-hmm. I think it works, too. Um, okay. So, as far as rushing goes, the Jags do give up rushing yards. They, they're not. That, by the way, is one of the great football tragedies. What? I do want to point out. Which is what? That that Bears defense that dominated the league for a half decade. <laughs> right? I mean, a half decade. It right. was the league's best defense. Was so completely inept on offense. I mean, not just bad, completely inept, that they could not figure out a way. I mean, it was a team that won the division year in, year out, was routinely number one in every statistical measure, and they couldn't figure out a way. Like, just think about these days, right, with, like, Josh McCown or Brian. Like, they couldn't find 
that game manager to somehow just make the offense not be terrible in order to win a Super Bowl. It, it really is a shame that, that Brian Urlacher and Peanut Tillman and Lance Briggs and just the dominance that they were uh, only got to experience one Super Bowl, and as you pointed out, it was with Rex Grossman at uh-huh. quarterback. Do you think that if if they if you told them, if you went back in a time machine and told them that in 2017 the Cubs would be more recent champs than they were? Right. I mean, it's uh, it, again, it's a great football tragedy with it Brian is. Urlacher up for the Hall of Fame this year, and you saw what Aaron Rodgers said about him. You know, best competitor he ever faced. Uh, that's how good he was, and he was the you know the leader of that defense for all those years. And damn it, they could not give him just a tiny bit of offense. Just just give me a smidge of offense, and this team could make Super Bowls, and they didn't. Sorry, back to the Jackson. All good. We're taking the shine off the Bills, and they no, don't deserve no. that. No, no. Well, I'm going to give you one good Bills. One. Should LaShawn McCoy play, the Jags have the NFL's 21st rushing defense on the season. They've allowed an average of 116.3 rushing yards per game. But they've only faced three of the top running backs, and only Todd Gurley was able to go over 100 yards and average more than, I think the other ones were like three yards per carry. Gurley averaged five yards per carry. That's something Shady could potentially do here and make a huge difference. However, if the Bills are going to win, they're going to have to accurately pressure Blake Bortles. They've offered the fewest pressures to opposing quarterbacks on the season. However, when they do get good pressure, they have the lowest quarterback rating allowed. And that's been a trend we've seen. It's it's kind of like backwards trend. And if you see the emergence of Tredavious White and how well EJ Gaines has played, that could be, you know, if we see a Bortles upset game, and if you don't see that game manager come in, then you're going to have a, you could have a big impact from Tredavious White and EJ Gaines because, I mean, Keelan Cole, they're, they're not playing with their full arsenal of wide receivers, you know, to begin with. And Leonard Fournette isn't 100%, so it could be less favorable passing situations in general. However, the one driving force that makes the Jags the overwhelming favorite in this one is their defense. I, can, I mean, if you look to see all the things that I can make you lists of, first, second, first, margin of victory, you know, sack differential, turnover differential, um, is number three, point differential, number three. Like, these you know, are all You know who torched five. that defense, right? Who coached it? No, I said who torched it. Who torched it? Who torched it? Two weeks ago, who torched? Who torched? Jimmy Garoppolo. Cut it to ribbons. The face that you just made Cut was it. incredible. I wish Cut everyone it to ribbons. could see it. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, here's why I take the Bills. Yeah, but they had Joe Staley, too. I'm not saying they did. Right. I mean, a left tackle is not going to win you a game with my what – allow you to score well, 44 I will say points. Without I mean, Cam Robinson, without Cam Robinson last week, Blake Bortles got – I mean – so that, been, that was a big problem. The uh, the Bills' defense is pretty darn good against the run. Sure are. Uh, which means that Blake Bortles is going to have to win this game. I mean, that's what the Titans just did last week. And hey, if Cam we Robinson will, isn't we playing. We will sell out. We will sell out everything. You, can, you will get one-on-ones down the field yep. with Keelan Cole and whoever you want. Take them. They're yours. I dare you to beat us. And, he's, and he hasn't been able to. Um, Although Keelan Cole's been – has been a very effective I'm not picking receiver. on Keel- right, right, I'm not right, picking right. on Keelan Cole. I'm just saying they'll take it. You know, right. as effective as Correct. Keelan Cole has been and Put Marquise Davis Lee is right probably going to be in Cole, this. That'd be fun. Yeah. So yeah. I I'll take the Bills. All right. From the Bills to the final wild card game uh of the week, the Panthers and the Saints. Oh, for the third time. How exciting. It's so hard to beat a team three times. I hate that. That's my like, one of my other least favorite things. So the winner in the score, hey, New guess Orleans. What? Guess what? That's your line. It's really hard to beat a team three times in the same season. <laughs> and the Saints are going to have to do it. But you know who's it. going to? New so, Orleans, 27-20. Confidence, 72%. And I also hate the 
whole uh, home road thing. But in the case of the Superdome and Drew Brees and playing on the fast hey, track. Hey, defense travels. Did you know that? Defense does travel. <laughs> and the Panthers have a heck of a defense. However, uh, I love that Superdome. And I love Trust Drew Brees the and that Superdome. And I will take them. Much like I take Aaron Rodgers in any game, I take the Saints in the Superdome all day, all night. Do you think I've ad- adequately made my case for loving Drew Brees this year? I mean, because I feel like I called him a potential MVP candidate. And no, you didn't. You you didn't potentially. You called him yeah. an MVP candidate. All right. I'm, I'm standing by it. But my point is, is, I mean, I think I've given him a lot of shine sure. here. But you know who blitzes the second most often in the NFL? I assume it's the Carolina Panthers. Show is. And you know who has the best completion percentage against the blitz still? I'm going to go with Drew Brees. Yeah. And he also completed 76.2% of the blitz attempts by Carolina in the two matchups. And they won both. You know what else happened in both that was interesting? What's that? Carolina, who has a – Carolina's defense. And, by the way, the Saints' offense did travel to uh, the <laughs> Panthers because I do remember that early season game, and they wrecked them. They, right. they, they did. They, they put it on them. Correct. All right. They traveled. They did. Deep. Offense traveled. <laughs> offense travels for the Saints. <laughs> the biggest thing for them, though, has been their defense, right? The emergence actually, actually, of a solid defense. Actually, let me let what? me clear one thing up. You know who didn't play in either matchup against the Carolina, which inherently means he did not travel, would be Marshawn Lattimore. The, the, Saints, the Saints corner. So. Not a traveling corner <laughs> he, he and not, not traveling with the team. He did not travel. Gotcha. Correct. Well done. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and he's likely going to be your defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, my D-Roy. Um, the one thing that was interesting with how good this Carolina defense has been, in the two matchups against New Orleans, they allowed 148 and 149 rushing yards, which was the most and second most for the season. Yeah, because they've been good against the run. They've I mean, been great against the run. That's actually kind of in their bread and butter. K1 short, excellent against yep. the run. Kind of in that Aaron Donald mold. You know, that same sort of kind of way you watch him is how you watch like an Aaron Donald or Mike Daniels. And obviously Luke Keegley, the an elite middle linebacker. But I was surprised to see that both times their backs averaged at least 5.3 yards per carry. So 5.5 and 5.3. The difference in the second game was the emergence. So week three they played. No, I'm sorry. Week five, no, week three, and then week 13, sorry. So the emergence of Alvin Kamara, the difference there was more receiving yards. So 100, the backs accounted in the second game, they accounted for 103 receiving yards. Kamara had two touchdowns, Ingram one. In the first matchup in week three, Kamara had one touchdown, but there was only five receptions for 35 receiving yards from the backfield in that first matchup. Just something kind of to notice on this one. So if you if you look to see, like, where are they scoring their touchdowns? Where are they scoring their touchdowns? Well, they're scoring their touchdowns both between the tackles and on outside outside runs. So on runs, <laughs> the, the answer is on runs. And the and the the thing here though is in this matchup, Luke Kegley's impact is greater in the, stopping the run than it is stopping passes to so in coverage. So in coverage to running backs. So looking at the difference, Luke Kegley in the run game. So he has only missed one tackle on running backs on the ground. All season long. He's missed 10 to running backs through the air. Okay. So 10 in coverage. Gotcha. One on the ground. So Kamara, Ingram, that, you know, tandem one-two punch, which is the best in the NFL. This is going to be a problem when they're catching short passes, when they're catching intermediate passes. I'm not saying – I'm not going to say Luke Keegley isn't elite because there's a reason why he's missed those tackles. They're not necessarily his first assignment, but he's having to go over there and, you know, help out. So it's it's not a Luke Keegley problem. It's a with the way their defense is, you know, configured problem. Gotcha. So that's one of the bigger advantages for me on this one because if you have a stable run game, that's a huge predictor of non-turnovers. Non-turnovers is obviously that number one turnover differential is a big predictor of success. The uh, speaking of the run game, I'm gonna give you a little nugget. 
that I had yeah, stored yeah. in my brain from Ooh. the Week 17 matchup between the uh, the Chargers and the Raiders that really blew me down. So, you know, the big story around Marshawn Lynch is even though he took a year off, yep. he still leads the league in rushing touchdowns since, yep. I think, 2011 is the number. 2012 is one. Anyway, it's like 50 – it was like 56 touchdowns, right? Second in the league, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, just one behind him at 55. Third in the league, rushing touchdowns. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Yep. Isn't that nuts? And he also set like, a new and, rushing. And, and it wasn't like it wasn't like it was like 53 or something right. like that. Yeah. Rushing yep. third in the league in rushing touchdowns, Cameron Newton. This year he set his own. He broke his own career high in rushing yards too, 754 total rush yards, which is here's the problem. Third down this season. You know who has the worst completion percentage? I'm going to guess it's Cam Newton. Oh, sorry, third worst. Sorry, 53%. Touchdown or interception interception ratio, 8 to 12, second worst. Passer rating, second worst. Guess who doesn't have to pass the ball to be effective? Well, but the problem Cam is... Cam Newton, the problem 54 is rushing touchdowns. <laughs> 54! <laughs> it's crazy. That is crazy. It's true that it's crazy. It's not... It's like watching Army. You bring out the wing tee. Hey, oh guess God. what? Did you watch that Army-Navy game? Of Wasn't course. it glorious? I mean, it's a game-winning scoring drive. Awesome in the jerseys. Show, and you got a fullback on a third and eight taking the ball 12 yards. Oh, it was glorious. That's what the Carolina Panthers are. Come on. Okay. I don't want passing <laughs> stats. I want rushing stats for the Panthers from the quarterback position. That's what I'm getting at here, Cynthia. <laughs> we don't care if he can pass the ball. He can run it. And my God, is he a weapon when he runs it. Well, I'm going to be interested to see how him and Cameron Jordan match up in this one, too. Because Cam Jordan, man, he has obviously leads New Orleans in sacks, quarterback hits, and tackles for loss. He's set career highs in sacks, quarterback hits, and it tied his career in um, tackles for loss this season. I think this is going to be a game, depending on, I've been looking at their O-line, the Panthers' O-line. It looks like the right guard Little position Little leaky. is leaky. Little They're about average, right? But I'm going to watch this matchup because Cameron Jordan ain't nothing average about him. Leaky so. Foundation, by the way, evolution. Just pointing that out. <laughs> if you're interested in that sort of thing, well, it's a good Twitter follow. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because of my rant, I'm gonna take the Panthers. Do you know it. why? Because Cam no. Newton no rushes. Do you know why? The ball. You know why I'm taking the Panthers? I mean, why? Come on, Cynthia. Why am I taking them? I don't know why. Because it's hard to beat a team three times. Oh in the same my season. God. Defense trap. I slam the table. Uh, winner will play at Minnesota next week. Ooh, that doesn't sound fun. So it's 2018. It's a new year. You have resolutions. What are you doing? You're setting goals for your business, and it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. What's football? It's a team sport. 11 people moving in the same direction, or if you're on defense, preventing the opposition from moving in the right direction. Let ZipRecruiter help you transform how you go about finding the right people for your team. They post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. It's just a click. ZipRecruiter then actively looks for the most qualified candidates. They will invite them to apply. They even review every application to identify those top candidates. That means you never miss a great match. It's no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site. And how long? One day. That's it. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And because we know many of you listening to this podcast are very smart and likely business owners, 
Why not find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all and every size and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results right now for you, our listeners. You can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Yes, ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Game Theory. there we go uh a lot of disagreement on the wild card round and that's how it should be on a podcast darn it as uh wait, i just want to recap real quick so we both agree right we both agree i think you just agree with me on everything do i yep i got the saints you got the panthers yep i got the bills you got the jags mm-hmm. you got the rams i got the falcons and no we both have the chiefs we do have both have so the there chiefs. we go so we both you have just the don't chiefs. like the titans no, they don't belong. But they, they, <laughs> that team does not belong in the playoffs, which like is the why they're going to beat the Chiefs and make a run to the championship round or something like that, right? All right, so Correct. let's get to – look, everybody's doing their awards right now, MVP yeah. and Coach of the Year, whatever. This is an advanced analytics podcast, and that means that Cynthia is able to run numbers that others are not thinking about. So you have come up with your own list of award winners. Yeah, we're starting um, our own awards. Okay. Why not? So why don't you uh, – this is all you, Cynthia – you go, I will weigh in with some pithy comments and otherwise stay out of the way. We are an O-line loving podcast, and we learned a lot about O-lines this season so far. And it's not it's going to continue in the offseason, too. And what we learned is that O-linemen like to give shine to each other. They like the team, the camaraderie. O-linemen are like a group. So I gave one award to the Kings of the Trenches, the most effective offensive line. And I'm giving it to brr, the Saints. Okay, why the Saints? So they're number one in yards per play, their offense overall. But that's not enough that because they were number three last year, and that would have given I mean, them this Drew award. passes for 5,000 yards ah, every year. I love assume. it. You brought up the passes. Yeah. By the way, it's 6.3 yards per play, in case you were wondering. Ooh. Now, they're number two in rushing yards per play, 4.7. So it's not all coming through the air this season. It's coming on the ground, too. First of all, Breeze has only been under pressure on 23% of his passing plays. That's the lowest in the NFL. So they're keeping him clean, doing their job, and they're providing their running backs with a nice runway in order to get those yards and earn them first downs. A lot of times you have. Armstead, he's missed six games. He's probably back this week. Big deal. And rookie, Ryan Ramchak. So Love you have both. depth. You have a rookie. Uh, the key there is there are pass lines that are, re- I mean, there are O-lines that are really good at pass blocking. There are O-lines that are really and good at run blocking. And these are good blocking. at both. It is very hard to find one that is that good at both. Best between the tackles running back. Huh? Yeah. It rolls right into it, doesn't it? It does. Alvin Kamara. <laughs> Had a little bit of help, didn't he? A <laughs> little bit of help. He's also the best on the outside, too, but we're not going to worry about that. <laughs> so, number one enforced missed tackles in these situations. So, between the tackles, 6.3. That's the 6.3 yards per carry. That's, it's interesting. And, he, oh, by the way, he's 7.1 yards per carry in outside runs. That's, That's good. Both. Yeah. So just, just it's both. So he's inside and outside. But best between the tackles running back is Alvin Kamara this season. Yeah. To put that in perspective, I believe it is um, Jamal Charles who is the all-time leader in NFL history in yep. yards per carry, and it's right around 5.2 or 5.3 yards yep. per carry. You're so right. in his rookie season, he is averaging right around six and a half yards per carry. A pretty and, darn good start to a and career. And like 80 receptions, 81 receptions. Helps as well. We'll, we'll help. Be a full service back. We'll helpful. All right, what else we got? Biggest impact overall running back. This is the year of the resurgence of the running back overall. We've seen dynamic rookies. We've seen, you know, 
people resurgence of people in the past, right? Second and third year players sure. that are just being great. So I tried to take a stab at measuring like what's an important factor for your running back. So I tried to figure out like everyone talks about like trusting your running back. So, you know, red zone carries, um, touchdown scoring opportunities. Now, if you break for like a 30 yard touchdown run, that doesn't mean they trusted you with a touchdown in that situation because it's unlikely to have happened. But I tried to distill it down into who they trust, who has the most impact in terms of yards per play, who has the most overall impact, like who can block, who, who is the best running back? I normalized it against the trend. I use all these fancy stat terms, words, all these crazy, like I did it in Tableau. It's beautiful. But the number one, the one with the most magnitude, what Todd is it? Gurley. Uh, <laughs> Not surprising yeah, at all. 19, 19 touchdowns. touchdowns. Right? But I it. wanted to see if there was, I wanted to see like what else you got normalizing it. Yeah. You know, I wanted to see. So, and he really was Oliver. Um, the frequent flyer. We want to do the quarterback with the most success throwing passes. But with Todd Gurley, you oh, know, yeah, even when he wasn't running the ball, he was helping out That's the offense. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like blocking, picking up blitzes, keeping Jared Goff clean. We saw earlier in this podcast, we talk about what's the difference when Jared Goff has, is under pressure and when he's not. How about Huge. play action? Oh. How about just the idea? Oh, you know, thirty percent of, of the time right. they're running play action, pretending and like you're going to hand the ball. A top five, a top five completion percentage, quarterback rating in that situation. Those are pretty good. There you things. go. Yeah, helps I mean, if out. you're, uh, if the threat of you just touching the ball freezes the defense, that obviously helps your young second-year quarterback out a lot. All right, next one, frequent flyer. You said. Yep. So quarterback with the most success throwing passes with twenty plus air yards. I really, really wanted to try to it not to be Alex Smith, just because we've always talked about this, and his one thirty-one passer rating does rank first in the in the NFL, and his twelve touchdowns and one interception does rank first in the NFL. I was hoping to get Russell Wilson in here. I really was trying to jam Russell Wilson to this podcast. However, only one hundred and one passer rating and twelve. Uh, touchdowns to five interceptions in this situation. Someone who came up as surprising, by the way, everyone's going to want to hear about Tom Brady in this one, uh, 88 passer rating and five touchdowns to four interceptions on deep balls this Nowhere season. Near. Nowhere near. But you know who did come up as surprisingly good? Matthew Stafford, over 100 passer rating and far more touchdowns to interceptions. He does have the biggest arm in the league. Hey, you know. I mean, I would assume at some point the big arm thing is going to come into play. And in fairness, I wasn't trying to not have it be Alex Smith. I wanted it to be someone surprising. I was like hoping, Matthew Stafford. Right. I wanted it to be someone like that, yeah. but it was Alex Smith. All right. What else? <laughs> um, the Dirt Ball of the Year, my favorite award. Something you have talked about. I think it's worth uh, qualifying that again. Explain yep. what the Dirt Ball is. So if a quarterback throws the ball away. They don't want to penalize them with a zero passer rating because in some situations, in fact, it's many you situations, should you should do that. So you get a 39.6. That's the passer if rating. If you ground you the ball. If you ground the ball, if you throw it away, like you are you are grounding the ball, you're throwing it into the dirt, you get a 39.6 passer rating. So the dirt ball of the year, I created some criteria. I wanted to reward someone who didn't have another cornerback that can help promote their dirt ball play, right? Like Because if you've got two shutdown corners, it's easier for both of you to have really strong the you know at least one of you to have a very strong passer rating against but so I, here here's my criteria so you have to top 10 in passer rating allowed so top 10 lowest in passer rating allowed you have to have more interceptions and touchdowns allowed on you and you have to have no other teammate within the top 25 okay so that takes out Jalen Ramsey AJ Boye it takes out pe- people with that other dynamic it takes corner. out the no fly zone right it, it takes out, actually yes. took out William Jackson from Cincinnati who I thought would be in it took out Tredavious White from Buffalo like I I, I was kind of surprised for all of these However, you know who it didn't take out? Who didn't it take out? Casey Hayward. Oh, there you go. And he wins my Dirt Ball of the Year. Yeah, because Jason Verrett was lost at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. So Trevor Williams, who did a no solid helps. job. And, but and but not, as, not as much help as uh, right. Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boya. And Casey had to travel. And I do want to point out that Casey was adamant and not happy that the play wasn't challenged at the end of the Raider game. Said he had his fifth interception, 100% sure of it. Uh, wanted it because he wants to make all pro. Already made the Pro Bowl for the second straight season. Uh, but wanted that fifth interception that he thought he had. 
at the end. Well, I'm going to make sure let him know he won our Derpo of the Year award. So I feel like that's like at least as good as an All Pro. What else we got? Right? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Maybe not as much in the terms of the bonus, but uh, (laughs) openest receiver of the year. That's a word. Um, The wide. We we wanted to say okay so. Antonio Brown, even Julio Jones, I can make a case for top two receivers overall. And you know who was right up there with him is Keenan Allen overall. But I wanted to change this a little bit. So I looked at the slot receiver because in the slot, you get good and bad matchups. So you sometimes you are matched up against a guy who's a lot bigger than you. Sometimes you get the better matchup. So, you know, this is someone who spent 60% or more of their snaps in the slot. Okay. Okay. So we look to see most yards run per route. So... Thielen and Keenan Allen actually both have over two yards run per route in each one. However, Golden Tate. Oh, there's a nice surprise. A nice surprise. He maximizes more components. So in terms of he has a lower drop rate. He had top 10% in yards run per route and five touchdowns. The other guys were like two touchdowns, one touchdown, and a higher drop rate. From the slot. From the Again. We are openest in the slot right? because you're getting some crappy matchups. You're getting some good matchups. So maybe it kind of helps, you know, balance out as opposed to always facing down shutdown quarters because then you have a lot more adjusting to do if you're only facing a top corner or if you're facing the second corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we went slot receiver because it's it does a mixed depend bag. On, yeah, it does depend on opponents as well because sometimes top corners travel, sometimes they don't. Correct. Um, all right. One so more. So that's why we did slots. One more. This is the comeback we miss you award. So this is the most effective first year free agent on a new team. This one should come as no surprise. Calais Campbell. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, turned it into Saxonville. I actually really wanted to try to get it to be someone who left the Bills. Because <laughs> there's they, so, they many sent so many people. so many people away, yeah. <laughs> and I was also kind of looking I mean, and to Darius see. certainly had a huge impact on that, that defensive line as well when he arrived. But nothing like Calais. No. I mean, listen, 17 sacks, number one. And the cool part about Calais Campbell is he plays almost evenly on the left and right. 42% on the left, 40, 58% on the right. More even than a lot of people who we see a lot of sacks from. Usually, like, if you look Demarcus Lawrence, he's only playing, I think he only plays on the left. Like, there's only, you're, you play on a side. And Calais Campbell, he plays all over the line. And his total pressures on each side are almost even. So 37 on the left, 38 on the right. Number four in overall total pressures. And, by the way, his sacks did come on the right. So 13 on the right, um, four on the left if you were keeping track. But the total pressures and his ability to generate pressure from both sides of the line, I mean, they, they miss him. Certainly. Arizona. Although, again, you. you know, not a bad season for the Cardinals considering. No, and definitely not. Congratulations to Carson Palmer on a heck of a career. Yes. Very likable guy. Uh, one of the good guys in the NFL. And uh, no doubt something to be very Speaking proud of. Speaking of Carson Palmer, I would love if anyone listening wanted to tell us who they'd like us to talk to on the pod. And he's one who I'd like. Okay. How about that, people? You know how you can do that? By uh, by subscribing and downloading our podcast on your favorite platform of choice. You can leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Help us continue to grow the podcast as this is our first year. We thank you for listening. We thank you for sharing the pod through social media, communicating with us on social media. And a big thank you to our sponsor today, ZipRecruiter and ZipRecruiter.com. Many of you are big brain folks that run your own business. If you do, allow ZipRecruiter to help you find the best talent. ZipRecruiter.com slash game theory. For your uh, free trial today. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash game theory. Thanks for downloading podcasts, listening, all that sort of thing. We'll be back again next week for the divisional round. And oh boy, it's one, be of a good us, one. one of us is going to have a much better record than the other because we are on opposite Loser sides. Loser brings three. in breakfast burritos. No. Yep. No. <laughs> no we, will not, we will not make a wager here. How dare you? How dare you? Loser, uh, winner gloats is what it's going to be. All right. That's what we got.